Hi, and welcome to Your Prosperity, a podcast series on financial topics, including tax, wealth creation, superannuation, lending, audit, and many other things that we deal with here on a regular basis at Prosperity Advisors. As with all financial podcasts, any advice you hear in this is general in nature and not to be relied upon. Please contact us for any specific advice. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. It's the 15th of September, 2023. Uh, this podcast is going to be a bit of a part two, I guess. We we did a, a podcast recently, part one, I'll call it, which was about doing business in, in, in Asia for Australian businesses. This is the inverse, uh, not specifically Asian business, but anyone... Uh, small, medium-sized businesses who want to do business with Australia. So if you're an international coming to Australia to do business, this is the one for you. Part one, we talked to Inez from uh, Des and Shira, one of our LEA-affiliated uh, accounting firms over there. So it was great to talk to Inez. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that one. Part two, talking to Charles Yarn, who's going to go through some of the uh, complexities and what you need to think about if you're an overseas business coming to Australia. So Charles, thanks for joining us. Great to join Brendan again. Um, I'd like to share my topics, uh, expertise on this area. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I guess probably should preface, I guess, for the anyone who is an overseas listener, Prosperity, we're a multidisciplinary professional firm. We do a lot with accounting and tax. Um, we do a lot of other things as well, lending, uh, we do audit, we do all sorts of all sorts of stuff. Um, and we work with, I guess, small to medium-sized businesses. And we're looking a little bit in this episode, as I said, of overseas business, small to medium size, looking to come to Australia and do business. Charles, why have we got you on? I, I presume you're an expert on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, my personal focus at Prosperity and I guess my interest area has always been um, on how to set up uh, small, small, medium businesses, uh, especially ones coming from overseas. You know, what is Australia about? You know, what do you do once you come to Australia? Any restrictions? How to structure? It's um, one of those areas I really like um, talking about. Absolutely, and I just obviously I know that is something you deal a lot with. So Charles <laughs> does a lot of our uh, all, all that sort of stuff, but also internally one of our tax specialists, and you've been on the podcast a couple of times, which is great. So let's jump into it, Charles. Why should foreign businesses and not necessarily Asian, but let's say let's hmm. go go with that because they're one of our nearer uh, or they're, I guess, quite close to us geographically. So a lot of Asian countries do look to mm. do business in Australia. Why should they consider coming to Australia? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, you know, Australia, we're a little nation down the South Pacific, um, all by ourselves, New Zealand next to us. But <laughs> it surprisingly, despite all that, Australia is one of the leading economies in the world. Um, so you know, the statistics is by GDP, we're 13th, um, and by GDP per capita, we're the 10th, ranked 10th in the world. So that's way up there with, you know, any other developed countries that you can think of. Yeah, okay. You've, you've done some research there, Charles. I like this. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, thinking about Australia, like why would foreign businesses come to Australia? You know, aside from, you know, um, being... A, one of the leading economies in the world, we do have a very strong mature market, strong political system, uh, very strong business law, and most you know generally our Australian workforce is highly skilled. So there's a lot in the making of um, a strong developed economy in Australia, which is I guess one of the key attractions, and specifically for Asian businesses, you know we're 
pretty much right next to Asia. So it just makes sense that if you need any of those um, factors, Australia is the obvious choice. Yeah, and I think Inez said in, in hers, which I was a bit surprised at, uh, she said 12 of the 12 or 15 biggest trading partners are in Asia, which is, it, it makes wow. sense geographically. So yeah, I was yeah, a bit surprised definitely. at that. I haven't fact-checked that one, but I assume that's right. But uh, yeah. yeah, I was just a bit surprised to hear that, but that's uh, it does make sense geographically. Exactly, it does yeah. make sense. Yeah, and, um, it, yeah, it, and then yeah. We're, we're obviously a bit, uh, you know, cost of labour is probably a lot higher in Australia, but we're absolutely a trading partner with, with a lot of Asian countries. Mm. So yeah, really good spot to do business. Um, so what, What's the incentives for them, so Charles? Is there tax incentives? What's the what's the benefit? How do they? Why should they be doing business here? Yeah, I mean, aside from all those um, strong market factors, um, from a tax perspective, because that's what I specialize in, there's actually a lot of benefits for businesses. Now, Australia is probably not the innovation or financial hub that you you would normally think of, and honestly, it's not. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot on offer for businesses. So it wants to be though. We want to be. <laughs> we want to be. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess part of it is political. Um, but yeah, the usual innovation hubs like the US, we just can't compete with that. We don't have the capital in Australia, but we do have a very strong market, very strong workforce, highly skilled. So it, it and the government is always open to foreign businesses so and i guess we, we push a few um tax mm. incentives towards that you know mm. those, those things so e6 rnds all that sort of stuff we 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 push a bit there maybe t- yeah what are those uh couple of incentives we, we can offer yeah so thinking about um innovation one of the biggest thing that the australian government offers and has been for you know a long time is what's called the research and development tax incentive or r&d tax incentive and what that gives is potentially up to 43.5% tax refund on expenditure undertaken by business for R&D activities. So mm-hmm. I think if you spend, say, a million dollars, you can potentially get back 435000 like Almost half of what you spend can get back as a tax refund. You know, that's mm. a great incentive for businesses, you know, startups, you know, it, when you're starting up a business or you're researching things, there's a lot of capital and funds required that just helps to stretch it much further and drive the innovation. Yeah. And, and all with all of those sort of things, it's very important to get the detail right. It's not as though you just set up and get mm. that. You've yeah. got to make sure that's set up, applied for the right structure, the right exactly. company, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a that's lot of right. detail that goes in the background, but there mm. is that opportunity. And if someone could speak to a an expert like yourself on that, it does make that uh, uh, fairly appealing. Absolutely. Yeah. And don't forget, aside from the R&D tax incentive, which is a, a federal um, program because it's part of federal income tax, there's also yeah. different state level incentives. There's all types of grants for um, innovation in specific sectors. So it's not just about tax, but there's a lot of government um, support out there for people who wants to go into specific fields that the government wants to encourage. And ESIC as well, obviously, is another one there. That's, uh, Correct. Yeah, ESIC, that's um, early stage investor companies. Um, it, it, it's an excellent tool for attracting investors into a, a startup business. And you know, the biggest thing you get out of that is 
you know, depending on the level of investment, potentially your shares is capital gains tax free. If depending it's on the, depending on the timing of it and the yeah, sale, the, exactly yeah. depending on timing, you know that. But for early investors, um, if you want to invest in a startup, that's a, a excellent benefit. Tax incentives, grants, research and development stuff. There's lots, lots of those side. What other, what other sides are there? What else would the, what other key considerations would you look at if you're coming to Australia? So it's not a, it's not a light decision you'd make. And obviously, we're not going to get into a lot of detail in this podcast. Mm. It's just a, just a bit of a, you know, a bit of a shout out to what you can and can't do out there. But yeah. What's some of the other considerations you'd consider when coming to Australia? And off top of my head, I guess one of the things I'd be considering is a very strong um, political um, decision-making. I, I, I guess our, our politics and our government, it changes between Liberal and Labor, mm. but they're pretty consistent in their approach. And it's not as though a change that happens in Australia one year changes completely two years later. We're a very stable uh, economy in yeah. that regard. I presume that's one of the big ones. Yeah, that's definitely one of the big ones. Um, <clears throat> you know, political stability is probably one of the biggest factors that businesses look for because as you say you know you don't want coming based on a particular position and then government changes 180 degrees a couple of years later and throwing everything yeah. you know into the air so you know, it, Australia both sides of the government um, political spectrum they're always encouraging businesses in yep. different ways <laughs> but encouraging businesses to thrive um, there's a lot of benefits given out via businesses. Yep. Um, and it generally Australia is a business friendly um, country. So what you would consider is, you know, what restrictions are there to the type of business you want to do? So one of the key things um, to consider is, you know, is there any type of regulation on your industry? Now, typical ones you will think of, um, you know, banking, financial services, defense medical you, you know that that that's kind of expected you want to you know tighten those areas for societal and national security reasons yep. but other areas um that some businesses you know need to be think of as well is there's when you acquire significant Australian assets you do need to get what's called um approval from the foreign investment review board or FERB so when you think of acquiring large parcels of agricultural land or large mm. interest in an Australian you know, business that has national interest um, concerns, yeah. that's that's something to think of as well. So it's not just come in with a lot of money and buy something. There's yeah. a process to go through. But <clears throat> you know, aside from that, as long as you factor that in, it's all, um, you know, it's part of the process. And, and foreigners can still buy <clears throat> land, is my understanding, in Australia. Obviously, significant portions of land <clears throat> going through FERB, but, you know, other there's there's other ways, and I guess you don't have to buy. We're not talking about someone buying half of Northern Territory here. We're talking about smaller businesses coming to invest and looking to to get involved. Um, if you're, a, you know, there, there's little rules around if you're, uh, if you're going to trade here, if you've got a company here, you do need to have an Australian resident director and those sort of things. So there's a couple of those hoops to jump uh, jump through as well. Um, any other ones there, I guess, of, of, of major note? Or I know it's a short podcast. I'm not getting into the <laughs> nitty-gritty detail of everything, but I guess it's the yeah, Foreign Investment Board who can be a director of companies. Mm. 
Um, do we also look, I guess, uh, structures? So speaking of companies, you know, if you're a, a foreign investor looking to come into yep. Australia to operate, what structures do you look at? Mm. Should you be structured in Australia? Can you use your own entity that you might have established overseas? How, how does that play into it? Yeah, thinking about structures, um, and that's, again, one of the key considerations that a business will have to make because the the way businesses are structured in Australia could be quite different to overseas. You know, where, um, a company limited by shares uh, is quite common, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's a common feature of many other countries in the world. So you may think automatically, I just set up a company in Australia, but that's not always the best solution in Australia because we do have other structures such as trusts, partnerships. We love a trust, we love a trust in Australia. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that if, you, if you're a private investor coming to Australia, there's no reason why you have to stick to the company structure. A trust structure in Australia could work just as well for you. And trust is, as you and I know, Brendan, very popular. Um, pretty much every client in Australia has one. So, <laughs> yeah. A big generalization, but there, there is a lot more flexibility depending on the type of investment mm. you're doing and, and what it is you're engaging here. But yeah, there's obviously, um, yeah, absolutely agree. To, not always just a company is the right option. There's definitely other things to consider. <laughs> that's right. Now, having said that, you, you still, if you're a foreign corporation that's investing in Australia, uh, you're setting up a subsidiary or a branch, chances are you're probably still going to go down the company route because that will be the most compatible with mm-hmm. your countries. Um, because I know in a lot of Asian countries, you know, trust wouldn't be recognized or there's yep. difficulty to, to see who is the ultimate beneficiary of a trust. Uh, in other Asian countries, then, you know, there may be mandatory audit requirements. So setting up a, a company in Australia, um, you know, there's different reporting requirements. So, I believe it's a subsidiary of an, of the other, you know, of your Asian business, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's um, a lot of cases that I've dealt with in, in my career and I have quite a bit of experience in that. You know, I guess prosperity can, can definitely help in that kind of areas, but and, yeah, and it's about, all things you need to consider. What about CFCs? Do you, do you get involved with that a bit as well? I guess when they, uh, you know, foreign controlled companies, Mm. Um, that's that's obviously something to consider as well. That's right. Yeah, it's with CFC. It sort of links to you know what is a corporate residency. So if you set up an entity in Australia, who controls it? Where's the um, income taxed? You know who has taxing jurisdiction? So mm. and then it links to double tax treaties, which Australia actually um, has double tax treaty with a lot of countries not all but a lot of countries so most asian countries yeah the obvious ones would um i think i joked with with inez earlier that yeah obviously we don't i don't think we have one with north korea i assume not but no probably not doing much trading there anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) but most other asian countries we've got uh some sort of dual tax agreement with and i guess the key to those is if you're uh, yeah i'm really simplifying this there's a lot more to it but if you're a foreign entity and you're doing business in Australia, Australia has the right to tax that income typically first, and then you'd likely get a credit for that in your in your origin country, wherever the rest of your business is run from, uh, that you'd likely get a credit for that tax 
That's over right. there. And the inverse for an Australian, if you're doing business in one of the Asian countries or any country, if there's a, if there's a dual tax agreement in place, the, the sourcing country would get normally, very generalised here, they're all different, but generally the sourcing country would have first right to tax and then you get a credit in Australia for it. So, mm. yeah, they work a bit a bit hand in hand and, and, as you said, we've got agreements with most countries. That's right. Yeah, so generally double taxation is not something of concern. Um, Australia is you know, part of the good political and business system. It's, you know, that's all taken care of. It just need to decide how to set it up in Australia, meet all regulation requirements, and off you go. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a bit to it. It's not, a, I'm sure no one's going to listen to this podcast and then just go and start buying land in Australia. Obviously, the key is <laughs> talk to people and understand what are your options and how you should do it because getting it right from the start is very important. But Absolutely. Australia is a trading entity uh, or a, a, an entity that deals on a fair bit with, um, with Asia. Um, I think it's important to make sure we get that right. And as I said, the inverse, if you're talking, to, if you're an Australian business looking to do business with uh, Asian countries, had the podcast with Inez earlier, so it was really good to get those insights. And if you're a foreign resident looking to come into Australia, or in fact, you want any specific tax advice, Charles is your man for those sort of things. So Charles, appreciate it. I know it's a very high level overview. It's really hard to go into the sort of detail because every agreement is going to be different with those dual tax agreements with other countries. But mm. I guess the, the main takeaways for me are, We've got tax incentives, we've got grants, structuring you can you can get right. We've got a pretty stable uh, geopolitical environment that encourages uh, trade with Australia. So yes. hopefully anyone out there looking to come in, there is opportunity in Australia and it's a great place to invest. And as you and I know, a great place to live, but a great place to, to invest and to do business with. So Charles, if uh, people want to get in contact with you, chat more about it, uh, reach out, what's, what's the best way? Yeah, so just visit our website, uh, prosperity.com.au. Uh, you can email me direct on C-Y-U-A-N at prosperity.com.au. Happy to take all inquiries, um, no matter which part of the world you are in. Biggest takeaway, get advice early. Don't jump into it without getting advice. Yeah, absolutely. No, appreciate it, Charles. As always, thank you very much for jumping on the podcast valuable insights there so uh you know probably a bit of a niche market i guess and not our regular listeners but the overseas listeners that might be something you're uh, you're keen on so charles thanks for joining us and for everyone out there listening hope you enjoyed this podcast uh if you want to know more about prosperity go to prosperity.com.au listen to the uh, previous podcasts and chat to you soon thanks charles thanks everyone Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Hopefully you liked it. And if so, please give us a few stars, like and share. And if you'd like to follow the series, please subscribe uh, and pass any information on to your friends as well if they, you think they might like it. For more information about who we are, head to prosperity.com.au and follow the links.